these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane. Mummy's with the maggots, man. You fucked up, bitch. A true classic never goes out of style. Who gives a fuck about movies? Hello, and welcome to the season premiere of Debate of the Dead, season four, Forces <laughs> of Nature. For the first movie in this next season, I want to focus, I want to move away from slashers because we talked about a lot of slashers last, seasons, last season, so... We got to really switch it up this season. So I wanted to do a little bit more of a broad category. That way we can talk about a bunch of different movies and maybe some that come out uh, as they come out recently. Forces of Nature is pretty broad. I mean, we can basically apply anything to this to this season. So this season's a little bit of a wild card season. So we're going to talk. We're going to talk all kinds of fun things this summer, especially in June. We've got some fun movies lined up for Pride Month. So without further ado, let's kick off this season with today's movie. This is a 2016 release. It is a supernatural movie, which usually I'm not inclined to go for. It was directed by Andre Overdahl, and I am, of course, talking about the little-known movie called The Autopsy of Jane Doe. Here with me to discuss this is two guests. That's right. We are doing a group episode for the premiere. We got to kick it off with a bang, right? So returning guest is Matthew. You may recognize him from the Circle episode. How's it going? Hello. Hello, hello. How are you on this day, on this eve? Doing wonderful. How are you? Great. I'm doing great. I'm happy to be back with the show. Yes. And happy to have you back yeah, on to discuss to this uh, fun little movie here. Because yeah. this is another one of those, like, if you know about it, you know about it. But if you don't, you're like, oh, what is this? And it kind of, like, from the poster, it looks a little generic. So it's one of those ones that, like, a voice for the voiceless, you might say. Yeah. <laughs> Under the radar, if you will. Absolutely. And my second guest is a new member of the podcast team, a new a new guest. Welcome him with your silent applause from home. Jason, how are you? Hello, doing great. How are you? Oh, I'm doing fantastic, and I'm happy to hear you are too. Yes, yes. Very excited to get into this. Good, good. So you're new to the pod, so tell us a little bit about like your background with horror movies. Do you like them? Did you watch them when you were a kid? Do you hate them? Watch them sometimes? What's your What's your whole moment with so cinema I've and horror? Seen cinema? a lot of them, of course. Seen a lot of them, but I've never I never actually like searched them out when I am looking for something to watch. It's not really my genre. Okay, that's fair. I mean, it's not. It's definitely not everybody's cup of tea. Are there movies that you um, tend to lean towards or lean against? Any in any way particular way? Anything way campier, of course. Yeah, anything campier or, you know, silly, even if it's unintentionally silly. Go ahead. Yeah, the sillier the better, really, um, in the end. <clears throat> even if it's unintentional, I, I really enjoy some camp. 
For sure. Well, I'm definitely interested to hear what you thought of this movie, because this movie, for the most part, is pretty straightforward and has a camp factor of like zero. It's it's a rather serious uh, taking film. So oh, yeah, very, very little humor in this. Definitely. So, um, well, that's great. Let's uh, go ahead and get into it. So before we start, did you know about this movie before? Had you seen it? Never heard of it? Had not. Had not, and we all watched it together too, of course. The Which night. is always fun. Um, and I didn't even, I wasn't really even aware you guys were throwing it on. Unfortunately. <laughs> it just, I, it just know, was on. Yeah, I, I've honestly, I've gotten to a part where I'll, I'll, I'll just, I'll watch whatever's on. And this was, a, this ended up being someone, something that I really enjoyed in the end. But we'll get there. Great. Yeah, it was really good. I, I, I feel like I had heard the title before, but I had zero reference for what it was about or what was going to be waiting for us <laughs> right right well yeah I've, I've seen this movie maybe like two or three times before and it's one of those that i like i said earlier i just knew like dang this is pretty good but not a lot of people talk about it so let's talk about it the movie opens with a crime scene it looks pretty brutal it's uh the police are showing up pl- putting their little yellow uh ticker numbers on the ground and taking all their crime scene photos you know the the standard uh standard procedure what have you and they find this body you know everybody's mutilated and there's blood everywhere but they find this one body of this woman who's like relatively intact and she's like half buried um so right off the bat you're like okay what's going on and they say this is the jane doe um that you know the titular jane doe herself i wouldn't even say she was you know partially intact she was like almost fully intact really definitely definitely the um especially from in contrast to what the rest of this crime scene looks like because it's it's pretty bloody and it doesn't really like tell you what's going on it kind of makes you and she's being buried in their basement which was strange it wasn't like outdoors or something it was in the in a dirt basement she was fully nude, <laughs> half buried. Looked very at peace, though. That gave that sentence gave deadly premonition vibes. I love that right. very at peace, like Laura or not Laura Palmer. That's Twin Peaks, whatever her name is, and deadly premonition anagram hanging from the tree. Yeah, uh, totally. But yeah, she. Uh, it's it's definitely an interesting premise to start off with, and I like that it's it kind of gets right into it. It's yeah. almost like the in media res thing, but at the same time, it's. It's not, which I kind of appreciate because we're, what we're seeing at the beginning is is the beginning of the story, but it's so out of context that and you're just thrown into it that it feels like, oh, this will come back later. And it kind of does by the end, but it's yeah. still, it's it's just a future scenario. So I, I kind of like that it has a unique um, structure and pacing to this movie yeah. that always keeps me feel invested. Uh, so right, I remember when I saw this the first time, I don't know what I was thinking was going to happen, but I'm just like, all right, we're, we're getting right into it. That We've got our body. We've got our Jane Doe. We're just half the titles right there. We just need to get to the autopsy room. And a creepy autopsy room it was, too. I mean, even just leading up to the walking into that part of the set, considering that yeah. it's all the entire movie takes place in one location. Which I always, yeah. respect. I've noticed, I've started to notice that I have a thing for movies like that. Like Circle's in one location, The First Saw's in one location, Your Next is a low one location. I, I dig a one location horror movie. I think I just have respect for that kind of isolation and it makes me feel a little bit more grounded and attached to the to the setting of it all. Evil Dead Rise is a, <laughs> one, is a one location movie. Lends itself to the genre. I'd say that's like the one thing that horror does and does well. You can always set it in one location and... Yeah, cheaply. 
Yeah, yeah it, it definitely budget. set the tone for the movie. It's a historical building in Virginia, built in 1908. Uh, the so so already it's just creepy and Victorian. They're in the basement. There's right. like an antique elevator. Like the power isn't reliable. Yeah, it's very and it's uh it's a little bit timeless too in the fact that it, we don't really like this could technically take place anytime like you know it's around yeah. modern times but it could be like 10 years ago it could be 15 years ago it could be 20 years from now like it, it relatively i looks... don't remember seeing any cell phones there was no real technology they didn't have any computers they had like a camcorder set up but they had a camcorder set up and they had a radio which yeah. because they're all the way down there it's the only it thing like they an could analog get radio it had an right. antenna yeah right. it was knobs it was no buttons no digital <laughs> yeah so it's it already creates that like isolation environment that I just I cling to so fast. I'm mm-hmm. like, yes, I feel I feel like I'm in the morgue the entire time with they, them. They did have cell phones though. I'm trying to they, remember. They, I'm they trying they to remember cell like, phones, but like what generation of cell phone? I don't remember that. I don't remember yeah. either. But I, it, I for some reason I distinctly remember it being maybe pre-internet on your phone. It might have been. I mean, it, it came out in 2016, but also who knows? Maybe they ha- only have like flip phones because they're so far down in the basement all day that they they can't rely on like internet i don't know i don't know who knows either way it kind of gives like a like a nice isolated vibe so i i dig that right off the bat so we get introduced to our main characters because sheriff burke you know the cop who's on this scene talking about how gruesome it is they give the uh he shows up at the mortician or more corners yeah. door with the with the fresh body and you know they're about to go home for the night we get a little bit of character development with this father-son duo the father is played by brian cox do you know brian cox because i did not before this movie and he has like two hundred thousand acting credits so i don't know how he's i was like, unaware of this man one of those character actors that's in so much stuff but i couldn't tell you a single thing off the top of my head i just recognize his face every time he's in something yeah but he's very much an actor's actor like he's very good and everything he's in like, right he's so like he had a no one face. in this room has gotten to succession in a, oh yeah he's the star of succession he's like the see which is crazy because i watched like the first five episodes yeah, of succession yeah. could not get into it but i, I didn't even realize i want to see it i know it's ending now i'd like to see succession but yes he's he's in a lot of stuff though yeah so i didn't i didn't recognize this man i, I hate to say it i don't mean to sound ridiculous but i do not know this man <laughs> but apparently he is like super famous so good for him and the son is Emil Hirsch. Do you know Emil Hirsch? Because I know Emil Hirsch. Absolutely. He's so hot. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get over it. I mostly know him from a 2011 movie that will be featured later on the season on the podcast, The Darkest Hour. And I love him in that movie. I've yes. seen him in like two other things too. I just couldn't think of what they are off the top of my head. He was recently in a Netflix movie called Freaks, which I really enjoyed that oh, you, good. You, might, you might like too. It's a very cool premise. Um but I also know him from the Speed Racer movie done by the Wachowskis, which is very like Speed Racer meets the Matrix, which I thought was really neat. But Makes sense. It's the Wachowskis. So. Yeah, it was, a, it was a blockbuster flop, Trans but icons. I thought it was really, really cool. Um, and then he was in Lords of Dogtown, I believe, back with, I think, which was early 2000s. Okay. Which okay. was a skater movie, which was very, if you thought he was hot now, he's just... <laughs> <laughs> He's just, bleach, bleach I just blonde hair and no shirt. Yeah. He's just got that, like, I just want to cuddle with him. I'm like, yes, hold me. I'm like, I just, he's so, he's, I don't know if it's like a pretty boy thing or what, but I'm, <laughs> I'm here for it. So they, we get a little bit of character development with them. Very minimal because it's not, I don't mind that it's like minimal character development because it's more of an isolated incident. Like, I don't really care what's going on in these right. two's personal lives because it, this whole story with 
the body is really contained to what's going on in this. It's a very like what happens in the room stays in the room situation. Yeah, and they gave they give you more than enough. Like, yeah, they give you enough to make you feel well, a li- like like they're humans, you know, and have lives outside of what's going on in this room. But for well, the, the most girlfriend's part, there as well, and right. they're kind of setting up that he's going to be moving in with her. Mm-hmm. And haven't told the father yet, mm-hmm. and they, she's he. Um, they're supposed to be going on a date that night. Right. But then the police officer brings the body and he has to work late. But the dad's very passive aggressive. He's like, well, you can leave. You know? Yeah. Well, that's but the you thing. Don't he doesn't, the, dad, the dad doesn't say anything to him about like staying. He's yeah. like, he's already on his way out the door when the body shows up. And it's, it's, I, I actually don't remember either of their character names. Let me find it. It was something uh, really, it was like Bonnie and Timmy. <laughs> yeah. Brian, Brian Cox, the dad is Tommy and Emil Hirsch is Austin. Tommy so knows, yeah. Austin is on his way out the door and he just like, kind of feels guilty and like we also get notion that the mother the matriarch of the family i'm sure she was a queen bee recently passed uh i think like a year or so ago so there's a little bit of like tension and bereft between the father and son and it's due to like whatever guilt he has in that moment he's like i feel like i gotta go back and help my dad with this autopsy and the girlfriend's like visibly annoyed but not like pissed she's just like all right well Kind of wanted to go on a date with you and actually get to yeah. spend time with with my boo thing, but but she knows you know, it could go. be beneficial for her boyfriend to stay behind and talk to her his dad about him moving in. So, right, you know, yeah, that yeah, whole, that whole situation. Yeah, and she wants to see her first dead body, and he's oh yeah, she's like, so into it. Which honestly, yeah. I get it. This would so be me if I was dating somebody who cut open bodies for a living. I would be like, bring your boo to work day. <laughs> like, what are we waiting for? I would love. Like, do I get to? Like, I want a workshop. Do I get to hold the scalpel? Like, <laughs> right. She very much wants to see her first dead body, and he's very reluctant to show her because he's like, seeing a dead body isn't something that you can unsee very easily. So, it's very traumatic. And then she's like, well, what's in this one? And, it's somebody who I think had killed themselves. I think they shot, shot, themselves, them, in shot the themselves in the face. So they didn't have a face. And right. he's like, not that one. Um, and so it's very, that moment. But also this scene helps to establish the bell on the toe. Cause it's yeah. in this, in this moment. Yes. That, um, which is like a, I don't know if it's still done today. But yeah, so I'm actually looking it up. It's supposed to be like in case, they, in case they're actually alive because there's right. no way to open those refrigerators from the inside. So yep. it's like if they're alive, they wiggle their toe, they hear the bell ring. Saved they know by they the bell. Need to, that's, which, the, that's the origin yeah, of the phrase. Well, because there's also the, the when they used to bury people, they would have yep. a string for, with a bell yep. so they could ring it from inside their casket because they were burying people that Imagine were actually dead. Imagine how often that must have been happening for right? them to install a whole system. Like the amount of people who were buried alive. It, it's that's it's giving ring doorbell before ring doorbell was a thing. Seriously. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so they, they've got the bell on the toe, which is a scare that will be come back later, but it's presented to us in the form of a prank here at the beginning because our, our Tommy boy here is a little bit of a jokester. He he like goes he's doing that thing where right as he goes to peel the sheet back, he moves the foot with the bell around it so it rings the bell and scares her a little bit. And he makes this funny like Ooh, face that I, I just think is like it's cute. He's a he's a good actor. It makes it feel very organic and real. So from what I'm reading right now is it is not something that's normally done, but the character at some point may have mentioned being a traditionalist that we all missed. Oh, okay, okay. And that's why he still did it. Okay, I yeah. can see that dedication mm. to the, the father craft. definitely gives off the very like professional vibes. Like they're still using a chalkboard in the morgue. Like it seems very like that's true. That's yeah. true. And and he even says to like um, there's a point in because we see them working on a different body that isn't the Jane Doe. And um, there's excuse me, there's a point where 
Emile Hirsch's character is like, well, maybe she like got hurt this way or someone there's like basically insinuating foul play. Yeah. And Tommy's like, our job is to de- determine the cause of death. Nothing else. Like, no, there's no human emotion to this. We're simply here to determine how this person became unalive. Yes. <laughs> and that's, that's it. So they, that he operates on a very professional, unbiased, like do the work by the books. So I could I could see him being a, a traditionalist in that matter. Yeah, and from what I was just reading too, it specifically only was done for people who were possibly comatose or were poisoning victims. Mm. Okay, so they kind of came back too. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, uh old medicine. Isn't it isn't it a miracle how far weird we've come? And creepy, weird and creepy, like all old medicine was. We're getting creepy. So about 25, 30 minutes in, we get into the thick of the action. Our Jane Doe is on the slab. The two of them are beginning the autopsy. Camcorder set up. They're, they've got the chalkboard ready to go. They've got the tunes going. They've got the tunes yes. going, which makes sense. I'd be jamming. Uh, they are, they're, they're ready to go. They're going, they're going in on the, on the, on the autopsy. So uh, now's a good time to talk about the, Jane Doe herself, because this is a very unique character in like a a TV show, movie, like a film medium. So throughout this whole movie, she simply just lays there eyes open as a corpse. But the interesting thing is this was not there are some shots where it's a dummy, but almost the entirety of the movie, it is played by an actual human real woman called Olin Catherine Kelly, who just laid there the entire movie. Right. So completely, interesting paycheck. Completely nude. Com- completely, completely still. Completely still, completely nude. And that is so impressive. And they, the director, the filmmakers, they wanted, it was important to them that it was a human for a long, for most of the movie, because they, they thought if it wasn't, prop they wouldn't be able to really sell it and connect yeah. with it so it's weird that this is it's a character because so much of the movie is her she's on the poster you see she's like both the object and human that is the most you know like every killer's got a weapon she's both she's like the human and the the significant object that people are going to remember from this movie. She does a lot without ever moving a single yeah. yes. anything. Nothing yes. moves. Just completely, she's, for all intents and purposes, a corpse. Which goes to show how much movie magic can add. You know, a little sound effects, a little music, a little ambiance and creepy lighting. And that's so much, says so much in, yeah. to your to the visualness of the movie. So very... This movie, I love a good original movie. Like it's and it's especially in a time of like remakes, reboot, reboots, requels. It's nice to see a truly original idea because right. now it feels like everything is like a derivative or blend of something. It's like oh, it's this movie, but like with dinosaurs. It's this movie, but with this, or right. it's this movie meets this movie. There's a lot of just like derivative ideas. So it's very rare that you see like it out the gate. The elevator pitch is very hard to do for this one because yes. it, it definitely isn't something like when when i say elevator pitch i mean like this meets this like it doesn't have like two like similar movies that it's, it's close to it's and very broad it's like an exorcism movie meets a 
supernatural thriller. And it's thriller. not predictable at all. Like you, because no, you no. usually I don't think predict. So. You can usually predict where things are going. And it's usually easy for me to like figure out. Like, oh, this is this is the whole backstory. It, it definitely had me guessing because every time a new thing was discovered, I'm like, well, maybe it's this. I'm like, well, not gonna be it. And it's just like it definitely was a very interesting story, and I really like the way it fleshes out as it goes. And I think that has a lot to do with the story's pacing too, because yeah. I think I, I never feel like it's it's dragged down. I feel like it properly every every new discovery, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. is every segment of this movie feels like it builds on itself and never yeah. feels like it builds up and then goes back down. It feels like it is just one steady upward climb. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you know, you start they they do this autopsy and it just keeps getting weirder yeah, as right. they go the more they do the worse it gets <laughs> the more they do the worse it gets they start by like doing regular examinations and then they're they know because right off the bat even you as an audience member can without any knowledge of how autopsies work just can see that she is her skin and everything is perfectly intact the only thing about her that's off really other is that her eyes are cloudy which the uh mortician or whoever says Right off the bat, he's like, you usually don't see this unless the body's been dead for like days. Mm-hmm. Whereas when the sheriff brought the body in, he was like, we just found this at the crime scene. Yeah. And all the other bodies were like freshly killed. And also it's good to point out that he said it was he needed it to be done right away because they didn't have anything to go on at the original crime scene. It didn't look like a breaking and entering. It looked like the people were trying to get out of the house and were slaughtered where they were. And that he had no clue what happened. So it's, that's why it was important for him to get those results that night. Yes, and that's also why they're so hard-pressed on doing the autopsy that night. And uh, Because in a few minutes, Emil Hirsch's character suggests, oh, maybe we finish this in the morning. But uh, Brian Cox is like, nope, we gotta got to do it tonight. Yeah. So and he's like, you can leave. <laughs> yeah, and he, and he does kind of. He's like, you know, you can go whenever. Which I don't know. To me, that comes off pretty genuine. Of just like, like he's just unbothered. He's like, it could go either way. But also because of the tension they have due to the uh, um, mother's passing, I could see a world where he secretly wants him there. But he also like because of his character, he's not going to be like, oh, yeah. will you please? Stay? That's not who he is. He, I mean, he's fully aware he was about to go on a date and stayed behind. So that is know, true. He was really just trying to let his kid be a kid Mm -hmm. definitely definitely so the next weird thing that happens with this damn body is they cut into it because they're ready to open her up and see we'll see the causes before they cut into it they do find pete under her nails like she oh that's right i forgot about this pete i do you know what happened is i i distinctly remember when we were watching it i went what the hell is pete i've never heard of this (laughs) and because i don't i still don't remember what it is or know what it is deleted it from my brain it's a type of soil it's a type of soil um but it's got a very regional um it's it's only found in certain parts of the country and it's not found in Virginia. So they were like, she wasn't buried here. She was buried somewhere. They said likely up North, which would be like new England. From, oh, that's right. Cause they also right. find the flower at a point in time, look yeah, it up in the in book. Stomach, and, right. And as, stomach, as they're cutting the body open. Um, and it's a paralyzing agent. And that also grows from in like a very certain 
part that and they also find that, that her ankles bias. and wrists were broken right but there's no evidence on her skin that the bones are broken they said it's very strange that there's no bruising or like there's no compound fracture because her joints are shattered yeah even the characters are like which, how do you even do this which he's which the, the the father said is consistent to a human trafficking case he had seen where the the women had been bound yeah and mm-hmm. ankles and um wrists had been broken and their tongues had been removed which we found right. out jane doe's tongue had also been removed yep yep Yep, yep. This is all true. This is all true. <laughs> so it's just like, it starts off like weird, right? Like they're like, oh, this is kind of an odd odd case. You know, this is a little different. But as the movie progresses, then it just starts getting like, whoa, what the hell is going on? Because now now they start cutting her open. Yeah. And right off the bat, they're like, what the hell is going on? Because she starts bleeding and like a lot, like yeah. way more than a dead body. Like should. Fresh, freshly dead. Like there fresh is bleeding. Pressure. Like there's pressure to build it up. And that was like, and then they even checked for lividity, I think at that point. And they were like, there's no lividity, which is like when the body's been dead for a while and all the the blood settles at the back. Oh, yeah, know, like pressure point. due to yeah. gas or something. So, and it's it was just really strange that she bled like that. Yeah, so they're like, what? But even, but, and you know, the doctor or whatever, I don't even know what to call him, Tommy, is like, <laughs> uh, he even says like, I've, se- I've seen it, it's rare, but like, and it's been like 25 years or something like that, but you know, it's, it's it's weird, but it, it can happen. So he's still he's still got that like um, unbothered, unbothered <laughs> well, plausible no, he's, deniability. He's a, he's a scientist, yeah. so you know, first and foremost, as an uh, as, yeah, as, his as brain is not going to immediately go to science. Yeah, brain is not going to immediately go to oh, this is some freaky deaky shit, right? <laughs> so yeah, they 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 clock it as odd, but they just continue on, and they're like, you know, there's there's a rational explanation for this. Um, but it ratchets up quickly when Emil takes a sample of it. When Emil takes a sample of the blood and puts it in a nearby fridge, and it mysteriously instantly overflows. Yeah, yeah. They he looks at the fridge later, and it's just completely overflowing, flooding. Like the fridge is a fucking mess. The floor it's, it's dripping out onto the floor, dripping on the floor. That's how they notice it. So that's pretty fucking yeah. weird, but like, and uh, Tommy didn't really see him do it. He trusted that he just did it. So in his eyes, he's probably like, "Oh, my son just like spilled something." Yeah. And even Emil is like, "Oh, that's fucking weird." But I probably just spilled something. Plays right back into the whole father-son relationship there too. So you don't really question it very much. Yeah. It's like definitely you know, everybody's been barked at by their father like that before. And the, and the son's kind of like in a hurry, like he wants to just get this over with, so he's not trying to like make a mountain out of a molehill, you know. For, That's true. For yeah, he wants, like he wants to like, get let's on keep his day. Like, let's keep regret. Like, let's not worry about the. He's like, I'll clean it up. Like, you know, he dismisses it. Yeah, because he he this date is scheduled for like 10 p.m. or something. He tells and, his girlfriend to come back at 11. Yeah, because so, he keeps yeah. looking at the clock every few minutes. Right, because the body gets delivered to them at like right before closing time. I want to say like 4 p.m. You know, like they're gonna go yeah. home in an hour. So he's like, all right, we're doing this. So he wants to he wants to get on with it because obviously it's going to take a couple hours i would imagine these things aren't exactly uh, they take quick yeah so especially if they're thorough which he's is so they um yeah that's an understatement he's being very thorough most definitely most definitely (laughs) so things things are escalating pretty quickly because there's just a lot of really wacky coincidences and and head scratcher puzzle pieces and it I would say, like, the big, big turning point of the movie where you know, like, shit's on for reals now is the next sequence. They find Emil, like, hears noises and, um, 
he goes into like a supply room down the hall and is the, I don't forget if we mentioned it already, but it's established that there's a cat in this, um, crematorium morgue. It scares, it scares him at one point. Cause it's like in the, it's in like the vents. Yeah. Like it's that. established that this cat likes to go in the walls yeah, because the, fucking cats always the, do. The cat. And the, the family you, fucking and cat. And neither of them really like the cat. So you don't really know why the cat's around when they don't like it. Like, yeah. It, it like drops like a dead rat or something. Right. At like Emil Hirsch's feet. I think at one point it does in and the beginning. Like, yeah. There's kind of just like dismissive of it. And they're both just annoyed. The cat, I think hisses at the cop too. Yeah. Like the, ca- and the, the, the cat, cat is being is a cat. Just like, oh, I fucking that, hate that, cats. That grumpy thing or something like that. Yeah, they both are dismissive of it. You're like, why do they even have this cat? I believe at one point they, uh, Brian Cox says it belonged to their mother. To yeah, their mother. that's yeah. yeah. That's because what happens next is they hear the cat in the vents, and he goes, uh, Emil goes to pull it out, Austin, and he sees that the cat is like super injured, and you don't really know yeah. what caused it, but it's pretty. It looked like it was attacked. Pretty yeah. rough. It looked like it got it got fucked up. It's so it's like, like ripped open. Yeah, so it's like on its last legs. We got an animal death in this movie. It went there, and the. Uh, Brian Cox's character comes in the room and he's like, what is going on? But he sees the cat and how much pain it's in and that it's like barely alive. And he's like, well, mercy killing. So he breaks the cat's neck and cremates it like on the spot. And then that's when he tells the audience that that it belonged to the deceased mother. And it was one of the last, one of the few things they had left. So bye-bye cat. Yeah. He had a good run. He had a good run. It was definitely an old cat. Yeah. Definitely an old cat. So then, then they keep going with the autopsy right back to business, and it just ramps up from here. Emil does see something in their mirror. Remember, he does see like a an apparition or something in a reflection. Yeah, but there is. I forget if he sees it or if we see it. The audience sees sees it. it. He sees it. It's him. Because yeah, there's which I found pretty fact. I remember the first time I saw this movie, I found it pretty creepy. I was like, ooh, and seeing it again on rewatches, it's so obvious to me because they make they draw a lot of attention to the. They have one of these like big mirrors that you would see in a driveway that has an obscured view like one of those big round ones yeah, it's like in a corner it's, it's like shiny corner. metal more than it's like glass it right. kind of is curved it kind of shows like what's around the corner it shows what's around the corner so it's like a big old round interest like odd shaped mirror like you would know it if you saw one and they they draw a lot of attention to it in the beginning just like showing it and like angles within everything which i was just like first time i was like oh cinematic angles but now Excuse me. Now I'm like, oh yeah, that's gonna be like some shit. They're gonna, they're gonna use that, and of course they do. They show they show the apparition or the we find that it's like the reanimated corpses that are in the Something. morgue. So they, um, you know, he see he's seeing shit, and they find the flower in her stomach, and that's when they're like, all right, look it up in the book, and then the next weird shit they find is that the lungs of this woman are like burnt. To a crisp. These are well done yeah. steaks, mama. Like they she was are. a smoker her entire life. Right. And, and, and I think so. he even says even then it would still like not yeah. look like this. Yeah. And there was so her lungs are just deceased, blackened, crisp and soot. And he this is the part where he starts getting like baffled, like, mm, I don't really know how to explain this. It doesn't really make any sense. It's it's very strange. They also find the the rope. There's like a thread in her throat, because um, the the flower was in like a little like burlap package. It was yeah. like it had been tied up or something like that. Right. And they find out the flower is again from up north, and it was a paralytic agent. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he, again, he looks up in a book very analog. He's not googling anything. Like he pulls out an old That's book true. and flips yeah, through, yeah. and he finds he finds the and he knew exactly like, he knows what like flower ex- was exactly what book. He's like, yeah. I've seen this before. 
Yeah, he writes it on the on his chalkboard. Like it's very old school. And it's around this time too that the power gets cut off and the radio is still going, which is playing that song. There's like one song this radio plays throughout the entire movie. Right. The power goes out. The, the radio is saying that the, the, the that they're gonna have like the worst storm in like forever or something like that. The storm is getting worse. They talk about this like this rainstorm that's happening outside. Yeah, yeah. And, and in the beginning, the radio is talking about how it's supposed to be clear skies, and then it's like, oh, turns out that was some bullshit. Yeah. It's raining now. And then the storm is ramping up and ramping up. Yep. Yeah. And then uh, and then the um the power that's when the power goes out and the, yeah because they're also in a basement so they have no windows they're yeah, they're no they're no down natural light maybe in yeah. the earth so in they, the earth that's why they explain like the power outage and stuff they're like damn the storm sucks bad timing so everything is still like there's still a little bit of like this could be a rational explanation it's just the wildest coincidence ever we haven't quite jumped on the supernatural train yet i would say right i mean they keep they do a very good job of making sure that you stay as grounded as as brian cox's character all throughout the movie too like if you're if you're any kind of true crime fan you're gonna love like the first like 20 minutes of this yeah situation. yeah that's you keep trying to, to figure it. out the, the how and the why we're like well that doesn't make sense yeah, why is this that way why is this guessing. that way that's it's weird def- it's definitely a movie that keeps you and guessing like oh she was she must have been like you know a, a human trafficking victim you know whatever and then you're like oh wait but it's just little things don't and nothing's connecting everything's weird everything's right. just slightly off and keeps you guessing but they're very scientific about it so they're very much just you know well write it down whatever like it's just, these are the findings this is it like it's not us to figure out the why is it this way it's just this is the way it is but they still can't find a cause of death because it just seems like there's so many things wrong with her <laughs> they're like what is going on yeah and it's it's just like things are ramping up because the power cuts out so they're like all right gotta go restore the power but as they do that they realize you know like they're in a basement and they have one of those like double doors that are like in the ground you can open up and they hear like a tree or something some shit fall on it so yeah. they can't yeah they get can it hear, open. they can hear the storm outside and the wind is is wreaking havoc on everything above them yeah, and they're so now they're trapped, and they're like, "All right, fuck this. We we need to just get out of this situation." So they go in the study or office or whatever, and they try to call the sheriff's department, and um, they you know they're like, "It's an emergency. We're locked in." I think the line dies or something. The reception was really bad. The, recep- the cop couldn't yeah. understand what he was saying. He was like, "I can't hear you. I can't." And then it just died. Yeah, and and he. Uh, the big the, one of the biggest scares in the movie like a big memorable scene happens and they're because they're in the room with the door closed and from the outside they hear one of those bells they came back and they're like wait what the hell is going on so because all the, the corpses mm-hmm. have bells and there's a point where austin gets down on the floor looks under the crack of the door and like big scare the foot with the bell comes right into frame like walks into frame so it's yeah. like holy shit they they board up the doors they're like we gotta we gotta go. Yeah, we it's trying get to get in. They, they push that filing cabinet like in front of the door to try to barricade it in. Um, yes, yes, it's a it's a pretty intense moment. It's definitely one of the most like anxiety inducing yeah. moments of the movie. One of the high tension yeah. scenes. So it's, really, it's memorable. Really well done too. It's memorable. Absolutely. Definitely. Just, just nicely done with the shadow, shadow and light. Too, yeah, it's subtle. Know? It's like a jump scare in a way. And so they're just like, "Fuck this!" There is no rational explanation for what's going on, and they try to burn the Jane Doe. They try to burn the body, which like poetic for what's about to be revealed soon. I think that was, and that was before the power went out, right? When they burned the body? Um, or was that after? Because there's, while they're still in the office after, because at one point when they were cutting open her chest, 
Brian Cox's character cuts his wrist on yep. her rib bone. So yep. he has a pretty bad gash in his wrist. So when they're locked in the office, he goes to the bathroom. It's attached to the office because his, uh, his wound is bleeding through the bandages. Right. So he's standing in the sink trying to clean it. And there's like a noise, like in the, this little like corner shower stall. And he turns to look at it, and Emil looks as well from inside the office. And he, and Emil's from point of view, you see someone standing in the the shower. That's so, right. Oh, goes, that's right. He goes he to say, like he says, "Dad," and as the dad's like opening the curtain, right? Like, nothing's there. There's just nothing right. there. And so they kind of look at each other, and they're like, "What? Well, like, what was that?" Yeah. And then all of a sudden, something grabs Brian Cox from behind, pulls right. him backwards, and the door slams shut. Yeah, so I can't then, remember if that was now or later. Yeah, that Emil, Emil hears his dad like going through some kind of like like they're, they're having a scuffle struggle and like, he can't yeah. open the door and then like you see like these weird like cra- crazy flashes from brian cox's point of view like something's attacking him right and then it's just over and the door opens and uh i think the somebody said something about the it had gray eyes right was that this that's part? right because he's like right. it has gray eyes, it has gray like, eyes like the body like did yeah. yeah like the body does so yeah that's that because i remember because i was like what get, what makes him have the catalyst to be like all right we're burning the body and that that's what it is because he he like has a full-on encounter with yeah. like some kind of being it like hit him in the stomach really hard it, it, it smashed his head on the mirror and like yeah. hit him in the stomach with something because he ended up having that broke some ribs yeah right? it thrashed that, him around yeah. a good bit so that because that's when they're like freaking out they're like yeah. fuck this and that's when we get the bell scare and, and then there was the, and then while, while Emil's trying to help his dad in there, there's a crash from the other room, and he looks, and the filing cabinet has been moved, and the door is open. So it's like something either got in or went out. Right. And that's when they're, like, done with this. I think that's when they go to burn the body. They're yes. Just, then they just that's, cover They cover her and And that's when the power goes yeah. out, because they, they light her up with a cover with gasoline. Light, for Brian Cox lights the yeah. match, yep. tosses it, and it also, like... Causes the part room of the room to catch on fire. fire. Yeah, like yeah, it goes to the, the ceiling and just expands. And she so, doesn't burn at all. <laughs> she doesn't burn at all. <laughs> they get the fire bit. extinguisher and put that shit out and they look at her body. Nothing. Skin is perfectly intact. No burns. Nothing. Yeah. Just, just, just no fire. She's just Still fine. Still there. Just laying there. She's fine. Unbothered, as one might say. Still so looking the, good, too, for that yeah, matter. Yeah. She looks great. Yeah. Just, so, it's know. very eerie. Very ear. Yeah, she gives a good performance yeah. by doing absolutely got right? nothing. <laughs> was, that's why I was really curious too. Like it was really cool when they were saying that she got really good on set for uh, mastering shallow breathing. Right. Because like they do a lot of shots where like so she, it's never obvious that she's alive, but she looks too good to be a dummy. Definitely. So it's like it's very. It's almost it's like really Uncanny well Valley. Yeah. So they start. The tensions are high between these two. So they try to book it for the elevator. Elevators, of course, fucking up because that's like number one rule of horror movies is that the elevator will not work the way as intended <laughs> never, never <laughs> name, name a horror elevator. movie where an elevator works <laughs> where it's like their their checkoffs elevator they always come back to do some nonsense so the elevator is fucking up they've got the doors open a little bit and they see they hear the bell like it's approaching and it's getting louder and louder and louder so they're freaking out and at some point i think brian cox grabbed like at the fire axe or something yeah off of one of the walls near the near the elevator yeah, so he's you know they had the armed. fire axe in the because at one point they barricaded the the morgue, remember? And then they they or they couldn't get out. So I think Emil Hirsch tries to like chop the door. Oh, that's right, because it, it's out, almost like a the shiny shot in a way. And then and then they have they see the uh, the dead body with the blown up face yep. outside, and he like freaks out. Right. Yeah. So they have the axe in there. Um, had they cut up, open her head yet? Not yet. I think, that comes, that I think that comes. I think. 
yeah, that comes after because they they try to escape through the elevator. Elevator's not working, and yeah, they have the axe now, and they they hear this bell. It's approaching. It's hella scary. It's just getting louder and louder, and they're like, cannot fuck with this. So once it gets to the door, uh, Tommy over here just takes the axe and swings, and he's like, I mean, like who could blame him? He just swings it, especially because mm-hmm. it looks like a very creepy out like it looks like the corpse like coming at them and after he strikes the axe the power comes back on i think he says like generator or something uh-huh. but they realize that it was the girlfriend and because she's now lying dead on the ground yeah. she's yeah she's bleeding out she's like choking on her own blood and yeah and it's just like because yeah. he just axed her in this the is, neck this yeah. is what happens when you go waving around an axe in the dark too, <laughs> you know? yeah he, yeah he, he, he does swing it without really seeing what's out there like, that is he swings true it through this the, the small opening of this like 1908 elevator yep yep so it's um it's it's definitely an intense scene that ends very tragically yeah. so they're both i mean they're both pretty upset a person is dead and one of he had something to do with it so there and it's also abundantly clear at this point now that supernatural shit is happening and this body can manipulate like what's manipulate what you perceive at this point isn't it when they go back to the morgue and they they cut the rest of the skin off the body i believe so because they're because then they just like you know they sit there and they're like kind of squalor and they're just like fuck what is going on with this like what is going like some crazy shit is happening they're like so he kind of gains that mentality of like well let's end this let's finish it let's do the finish the autopsy so that's when they go back and cut open her head right yeah and then when they look when they take her skull off and they somehow realize she's still alive right before okay before we get there i think i forget at what point it happens it must happen way earlier than i thought but one of my favorite effects in this movie is at some point they open up her chest cavity and they find that underneath her skin she has all these like runes and stuff basically tattooed on the inside like that's yeah all kinds of of props for creativity that is not something i think i've ever seen yeah oh they they find those symbols that were on the little burlap sack that was wrapped Mm -hmm. in the flower that had like they had found like the number 27 yep then they found leviticus and they find out leviticus 27 was like something about witchcraft a bible passage about witchcraft yeah yeah, because of course he who consorts with witches is of the devil or something like that so it's like something about witchcraft and then they when they pull open the skin they see the same symbols like yep on the inside of her skin which makes no sense and yep so they they cut off a piece of the brain and put it under a microscope and then they see that neurons are still firing and that's how they come to the conclusion holy shit she's she's still still alive. alive and then they're like she's felt everything we've done to her yep Yep. And then at that point, that's when it's coming clear to me, like, oh, that's why she has so much internal mm-hmm. damage, because she's just, just sustained yeah. all this damage over and over and over again. And that's why she had, like, lacerations on a bunch yeah. of organs, and they're, like... And all the organs that they had taken out of her body had, like, rapidly decomposed on the counter. We're yeah. all, like, just, like, goo at this point. That's right. That's right. So, they... Yeah, that... It, shit has hit the fan at this point. Mm-hmm. And I, I think... We're kind of at the climax here because what happens next is they're after they discover the big reveal that she's alive. Um, some something starts happening, and basically the uh, Brian Cox like sacrifices himself. Yeah, they they put this they put everything back inside of her, right, and try to yeah. like, seal her back up, and then he tells her. Like, I, I won't fight you. Just let him live or something mm-hmm. like that. Like, tell him. Right. Her, like, he, he tries to make a deal. Uh, so right. then, he's, then he starts experiencing everything that she did. Like, his his wrists break. His ankles yep. break. Yep. Like, he starts to, like, uh, it just you just see he's, like, writhing in pain. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, begging his son just to, like, he's trying to, like, grab this, like, uh, scalpel that had fallen on the floor. And then he kind of, like, looks at his son. He's, like, 
basically pleading to like just put him out of his misery. Like, yeah, he's just in pain, like just severe pain. Yeah, and his eyes even like go cloudy, like the yeah. Jando. Yeah, and as he's dying, she's like her body's like healing, like the, the mm-hmm. incisions are closing up. Her eyes aren't milky anymore. Yeah, they go like, back to like the a colors brown. coming back to her skin. When it, when one supreme uh, which fades, who, who knew this was the power witches had? Right, right. right? Like, like when one supreme fades, multiple multiple movies now they they and, just suck your essence. But before Brian Cox is being destroyed this way, he says that. Um, that in the the witch trials, like they created her by like like you know there were no witches in the Salem witch trials, right? Bunch of, yeah, bunch of young girls just being massage nonsense and just, from the seventeen hundreds. Yeah. Yeah. you know, a bunch of yeah eighteenth uh, century mean girls. Just yeah. showed too much ankle that day. So yeah, and it's yeah. yeah. This girl was tortured uh, for nothing for hundreds of years at this point now yeah. too. And um, it just she it, they created what they were what they were scared of. So like you know. We kind of basically realized that she was not a witch, but was accused of being a witch mm-hmm. and then treated as such yep. and, you know, tortured and murdered and had created this vengeful spirit who now is inflicting everything that happened to her on the people around her. Yep. So it's, which just made me wonder what the hell was going on in that house at the beginning of the movie. Like, where did they right. get her body from? Right. Where did yeah, she come she from? What there? were they doing to like, her? Was she like, buried under the house yeah. and they found her? Like, who right. knows what was going on? That could be, I mean, like, and you know what? That's actually kind of smart because that clear, that leaves room for the prequel. Right. Like, because did they, did, be, were they digging her up or were they trying to bury her? Like, did they I mean, accidentally imagine, find her? Imagine or? if they released a prequel to this movie but didn't market it as such. It was right. just like they, they made a story about, like, a haunted house story or maybe yeah. maybe even it's a comedy. Like, they're doing a um, Death of a Salesman thing or whatever. Right. Like, or uh, so they're like there's a lot of possibilities and then in the end they uncover the body and it's yeah. like oh this is a secret prequel to Autopsy of Jane Doe that's also, so wild it could be very um, uh, X and Pearl you know you could yes, do yes. <laughs> we could do we could do a prequel back in the 1800s or 1700s when she's alive and very just, like, Fear Street girl, like, that's before, a, yeah. uh, Fear Street Fear yeah, Street yeah, very Fear Street, and then, very Fear Street. Um, okay, so, even, but, a, even a sequel with it would be great because well, she's the only actor you'd have to pay to, to just have yeah, reoccur and the, the actors all did a panel with the director and they, they even said like he even said like if we do sequels it's it's her like yeah and, and the other two are dead because what happens next in the movie right before we close out here is uh emile hirsch like goes up some stairs and gets big spooked by a ghost premonition uh apparition of his of his father which sends him over the railing right. breaks his neck and dies his father was double crossed well, we, we thought it was over we thought it was over because right. it's like every, after the father's dead it seems like it's a morning. Um, the sun's out. Mm-hmm. You can hear the cop calling for Emil Hirsch from outside those those cellar doors. Yeah, and he's like, get up here, get up here. Like, uh, you know, everything's tree. okay. And so Emil runs to those doors, is trying to get out. Um, the door still won't open. So right. he's like, I can't get out. Like, it's not. This is really like, effective. And then the guy starts singing that song that kept coming on the radio. Because he's like, open up, open up. And he's like, yeah, I can't. Open up your stuff. He starts singing. The, and and then, that's creepy. Like, that's a pretty good subversion. Yes. I like that. I find that to be incredibly effective. Like, it, because it gives. Like once you know, it very much gives. Like, oh, it's over. I mean, Scream said it. They always come back for one last scare, and that's what happened. And then from behind Emil, he hears the bell again. So he turns around, and he's like, "Oh my god!" And then um, he turns back around, and his dad's standing there, which scares him. Then he falls backwards and Mm -hmm. falls to his doom. And then it cuts to the cop there, and he's just like, "I." 
don't know what happened. And the, the, uh, Jane Doe is they fully just, intact once again. Yep, and she right back to the very beginning herself. of the movie. Yep. Everyone's dead. They have no idea what happened. Yep. And so, and they're the, I think that one of the other cops is like, oh, we'll send her to like the hospital. He's the cop, the sheriff's just like, get her out of my county. Get her out of my jurisdiction. It is not I don't a problem. Want her like this just is too much. So they put her in the ambulance and as the ambulance driver's driving in a way, the radio tunes to that song again. Yep. And, it, it, and it's a foreshadow. I mean, there's a sequel right there that like, it sets up a prequel and a sequel in one movie which is pretty it makes me wonder though does she only inflict this on people who are like like did she see the autopsy as them attacking her and torturing her again so is it just because they did that Mm -hmm. like is this ambulance driver safe or is he now going to be killed all he's doing is driving her like he did not i think there's a lot of different reads on this one i mean right off the bat it's uh, you know given the what they say about the salem trials like there were no witches it was just people women accused of nonsense by dumbass men so maybe for hundreds of years she's been targeting men this is a father-son duo the ambulance driver is male maybe she just has an affliction against all men it wasn't men though it was other girls girls accusing them it was young girls it was teenage girls accusing other teenage girls and women it was a very mean girl thing. Yeah, it was true, true, but also like the men you know, of the, were the ones that are like, yeah, women yeah. are witches and witchcraft is bad, so, so burn them alive. It's hard to, yeah, it's really hard to tell because we also don't know when she was buried. We don't know yeah. anything about her. We assume witch trials, but who knows? Right. It, it's just established that she's been around for some time. Right. And um, yeah, so... Um, yeah, is the ambulance driver safe? It or leaves was, a thing. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of interpretations. I mean, maybe maybe it's just a maybe the, like it, there is no like maybe it's right. just a demon who's fucking around, right? You know, and at the beginning of the movie, like I really want to know if she was being buried at when the, that crime scene happened, or if they actually found her. Like maybe they were doing renovations and they found yeah, the body. She's kind of like half sticking out of the ground, because like just buried. It wouldn't be like she ended up there and they were trying to bury her to get away from it. Like how would she end up in this this random house, right? Like, as a dead body, like, right. it would have been, like, maybe they found her, and that's why it started again. Like, whoever had her before that buried her. That's how it ended. But, like, those people died. It's really – I'm really curious about that's it. That's what I mean. Like, like I, I have more questions. Really... It was a really great movie, but I have way more questions. Like, I want to know the lore behind J.D. Yeah, it's a, good, it's a good formula in general for setting up a universe because they establish an isolated incident. Mm-hmm. Which is a one a contained story. You don't need to watch any other films or anything. It's it None. works well yeah. as the first in a in a in a series because you're attached to one concept in one location. But they have this prequel moment where they establish some shit happened at the beginning and then they leave it open like yeah. that at the end, establishing that stuff happened. It's just like what X and Pearl did. They they gave you a little bit of Pearl in that movie and then in, in X, which was the first one to chronologically chronologically come out and then they were like well, let's do a prequel give her an origin story mm-hmm. so it's a it's a good formula for world building essentially sure. because they even though they haven't and it's been a couple of years so who knows if they're ever going to but this it's there the door's right there someone could easily pick this up and do wasn't it um i'm not as familiar with like superhero movies but wasn't it like split and that the so, spoilers for Split, sorry. But wasn't it like a surprise twist that it was a surprise sequel to like Unbroken or something like Unbreakable, that? Unbreakable, yeah. Unbreakable. So, I mean, they could do something like that where it's like in the very end, it's like they revealed the Jane Doe body and they're like, oh, this was a prequel to the autopsy of Jane Doe. Well, I was just actually looking. It only made $6 million at the box office, so I don't think we're getting a sequel. But it couldn't have cost that much to make. It was, yeah, you know, no, I, yeah. you got only, with box office numbers, you got to always compare to yeah, budget, too. It maybe yeah, only yeah. had four actors in it, really, and like one it was location. one scene. It was shot in There's London. There's some great gore effects. We learned it was shot in London, yes, right? From yes. The, from the video, which was uh, interesting. Yep, they talked about um, that being in a studio in London. So it's, I mean, 
the director already had other movies under his belt too, like Sinister. Wasn't the same director as Sinister? Is that what uh, saying? No, that is Scott Derrickson. But the the film structure and the way the scares are laid out, it plays out like a Scott Derrickson film. Oh, okay. He made Sinister with Ethan Hawke. He made The Black Phone with Ethan Hawke. He made yeah. <laughs> he works with Ethan Hawke a lot. Um, but yeah, that's a and I, I love. It's not exactly. It's not at all a happy ending, actually, because even even we're right back to square one in the end, because with the body being repaired, it looks like they didn't even begin the autopsy. Yeah, it and looks like they did nothing. It looks like they did straight up nothing. And so even the sheriff is like, I've known this family for 20 years. It makes no sense what we're looking at here. This is this is just straight up insanity. Oh, actually, sorry to go back to it again but it actually broke even the movie it had a six million dollar budget and it made six million dollars oh okay well at least it's not a flop you know and yeah, brian two hundred fifty thousand acting credits he's a big name so and even emile hirsch isn't like an unknown actor or anything oh, so the, yeah at the time i mean you know he was he was working i mean he still works heavily yeah so i mean it's and like I said, it's one of those ones that like it was on Netflix for a really long time, so it's it's kind of I feel like most people know about this movie because they saw it That's on probably streaming. Where I saw it. I and probably saw the title card, and it's <laughs> and, yeah. and because it's in that pool of just like ah, oh, it's just like one of those slocky streaming horror movies, right. but it's not. It just I don't know. No, far more entertaining than that. It, it, it definitely just just in what I've seen of the marketing, it didn't give itself enough credit. Yeah, I, I think I think this movie is very unique and has some cinematic. Like, I I really like to cover movies that do. It was shot beautifully. Things. It looks it was, really the nice. It's a really great. good looking it looks movie. The phenomenal. lighting's fantastic. Like, it's really well done technically. Yeah, like, like it's, it's not amateur at all. Yeah. It's it's very like no, the, professional. Yeah, I mean, even the even the set pieces are very much a character in the movie mm-hmm. too. After a while, it's just it, it was just a very well yeah because they do a really good job movie. establishing making sure you as the audience know the layout of this like morgue because yeah. they you that you see the operating room where it all happens a lot. Then you yep. see the hallway with the corner, so you know what that leads yep. to the exit, which is the elevator, and then you also see the study during the office scene which and yeah. you see them go into the it office pad, and then there's like the storeroom and there's and there's and the crematorium, crematorium which they, i think is what they do with the cat so they do a really good job making sure you as an audience understand the the floor plan and know yeah. that you're not in like a labyrinth they understand you understand the layout of where they're at which helps you as an audience member kind of put yourself in there and i'm not remembering too when oh. did they set up the storm doors too was that early on as well that was that was the very first time they got freaked out they were like they that was when they finally were like noped out and they like were trying to leave okay like the the dad had said something like oh the old sycamore fell or some some yep. tree in the front yard fell and yeah like, yeah i couldn't remember they, they, said they were like all right so that's when they were i think that's when they ran to the study it's in a basement um, so it just makes sense that you just assume yeah, that because they couldn't the elevator wasn't working because the power was out they tried to go through the cellar doors those were barricaded um i'm remembering now too the uh the crematorium, the or the the cremation that had it lit itself later on. That's when the whole yep. place smelled with smoke. Right when they were, that's when they were trying to get into the elevator, and they could see like the shadow of yeah. that body. That's right, and that's like, right. coming towards them with the bell ringing, and they yep. get into the elevator, and with the axe, and then they they hear it coming still, and that's when they swing the axe, and they think it's that whatever shadow it was in the smoke. So it's it, a very it's, nice, it's a very nice chaotic build up to a moment at, at the end of the movie. Yeah. yeah. And it's really done well, too. Yeah. Smart from a budgetary standpoint. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It's nice to see a movie that knows what it's doing, has purpose, and gets that purpose done. It kept done. me guessing. And it created a really cool, like, you know, quote-unquote villain, you know, like this creature 
this, yeah. this force of nature that is unstoppable. There's nothing. Exactly. There's nothing. There's no way to fight it. There's, and that's right. exactly why I wanted this, like, this movie to be the premiere of this ep- of this season yeah. because I mean this this really is just a force to it be reckoned with. It also is hard to tell if like any of that's actually happening or if it's all just some like psychosis that they're experiencing because like exactly because we hear the radio come on yeah. at the very end when they see when the sheriff and them are there and see the dead bodies of right, our main even, characters. They, they make it important on the radio to say that it's been like four straight days oh, yeah. of sunshine. Because yeah, exactly. even the storm no never happened. The storm wasn't the real. Storm wasn't None of that. The, right. the, this, the, yeah, the, the doors were never actually barricaded. It's like, were they really stuck or were they stuck in their minds? You and know? it makes sense why like he couldn't hear him on the phone. Yeah. There was no cell. Like the, the demon was manipulating yeah. that shit. So it's like, did A, did did he ever even call? Like I'm sure he in real reality picked up the phone and put it to his ear and dialed. But did the demon just cut it off right there right. or was he actually on the other line and just the demon Maybe, was like or he was just going static, like static, mumbling static, static. Maybe he was just mumbling because he's stuck in some sort of crazy psychosis like, yeah you know, know. he's in the sunken place in his brain. yeah right yeah. sunken place <laughs> um also, it it calls back to the opening scene with the opening crime scene with like these people trying to get out of this house and they can't. They're like, yep. you can't get out of their own house. Yep, absolutely. So we're, no seeing, we're seeing the story. There was no re- that's, that's why itself. the cop was so confused because it's like there's there's no reason that they were stuck that they couldn't get out. Right? Why were they trying to get out? So what, who was killing them? Trying to get like while they were trying to get out of their house. Yep. And they were like brutally murdered. Like they were like slashed. Yeah, it was not pretty. It was not it pretty. It created a really crazy juxtaposition for having Jane Doe's body just half buried in the basement looking, looking pristine. pristine. Like she wasn't even dirty. Like the part of her that was sticking out of the dirt wasn't even dirty. Not a fleck. Nothing. Nothing. Just clear, crisp, Milky very pale skin. skin. Yeah. Cloudy eyes. It's 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 a non it's a nice premise. It's not one I can really say. I, I it's good in my opinion when usually when you can look at a movie and be like, I don't really know what to compare this to because yeah. that means it's kind of one of a kind, and that's what this movie is. It was cool. It really is, yeah. Because it wasn't quite a zombie movie. It wasn't quite a supernatural ghost story. Like, it wasn't, like, witch story, but it was a little bit of all of it. Yeah, and then I felt, like, you know, like watching a true crime documentary at the beginning, yeah. too. So it just kind of fed into a lot of different That's kind of what I thought it was going to be at yeah. first, because they, they kept making it so clear that they were very much science-driven, like, morticians or whatever, medical examiners, whoever they were, whatever their jobs were. So I thought maybe it was going to be, like, we were going to keep getting more and more clues and at the end have, like, a solution to why this crazy crime scene happened. Like, I didn't know there was going to be a supernatural aspect of it. Right, yeah. Like, the movie is very good about keeping you... It's got good suspense. It's keeping yeah. you on your toes and, it, like, it keeps you guessing because it's... it's I, I can see how someone say, oh, it's predictable in, like, the terms of, like, scares. Like, oh, now they're going to, yeah. like, see some shit. Like, uh, or, like, they're going to see, see a body or see yeah. a demon. Like, I can understand that aspect. But for the most part, like, the actual narrative and storyline is a little unpredictable. Yeah. Like, I I, yeah. I doubt anyone, when they wheel in this body, is like, that's a witch from the 1700s <laughs> yeah, that is still no, alive. You feel like you're solving the mystery right alongside them, too. Yeah, yes, time, very immersive which, in that know, sense. Also feeds into that whole true crime yep. aspect of things. Absolutely, 100%. So for this episode's mm-hmm. deadly debate on the autopsy of Jane Doe, would you rather see a prequel about the events that happened in the house at the beginning of the movie or a sequel following Jane into her next victim scenario? Discuss. Well, I feel like a prequel would be very interesting because it would be more of like a haunted house kind of movie. What do you think? Yeah, there's a lot in the basement of that house. I think there's a lot of potential with the prequel. I could even see a scenario where it's a comedy and then they just surprise whip it out. Like they could really do anything. I would love a prequel, but I I want the prequel. I'm very intrigued about what happened in this house, but I would kind of like the prequel to be 
maybe like 50 50 what happened in, in the house mixed in with her origin kind of They'd like have to discover more about like about the, her. The, the, yes. the, like mirror kind of like as things are happening to the people in the house maybe show how that happened to her because it seemed like she was doing things to the, her victims that happened to her so it's kind of like you know feel my pain yeah, very thing. yeah so i would like to see her origin story mixed into the prequel but i would love to see a sequel because i want to know if she just goes after anyone mm-hmm. like just any because you know the cop had been around her twice and never experienced any experience anything right but you know this ambulance driver at the end like was but how much time is the cop going to spend around but the, the, the body at that he'd point been around too, the body like, more than the ambulance driver at the yeah. end the ambulance driver didn't even touch her like he had nothing to do with anything right he didn't even really see her probably <laughs> so i would i would like to know like her what's her does it does she only attack people that touch her or that you know torture her or you know it, it seemed like the autopsy has torture because imagine getting an autopsy done on you while you're alive right you know imagine <laughs> oh my god i just went down a rabbit hole in my head where it's like they totally just fuck with the time space continuum and the because the song is playing in the ambulance sequel picks up and it's it picks up right where that scene is them driving away in the ambulance she does her demon voodoo crazy witch magic and crashes the ambulance body gets thrown into like some dirt later that's how it got in the house. And it's like a pre-sequel. Right. It like loops all the way around. <laughs> the house gets built over. Yeah, like the house yeah. gets built over her body or some shit. Like a mudslide well, take, uh, covers her. I don't know. Since you mentioned the song again, too, I'm curious why that song. That song obviously wasn't recorded in the 1700s. Yeah, true. So why is she fixated on that song? And there's you know, a lot of interpretations with it because it's talking about open your heart. Like, like yeah. you know, but like, is there a love thing going on? Like, maybe she wasn't, like, loved enough. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Or um, was that song playing while she was being killed or was being that tortured? Song? Yeah, exactly. Like, and also, like, open up your heart, autopsy. Oh, they the reason they literally think that she was from the 1700s is because we forgot to mention this in the, the main show. She, her, her waist was really cinched in. And they were like, why is that? They're like that, right. that, that. He was like, "This is consistent with people, with women that wore corsets for a lot, right?" You know, but that style like went out in two, hundreds of years ago. Yeah, which I was like, well, he, "He doesn't watch a lot of Drag Race, does he?" So, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, these yep. people still be out there cinching. So they said, that's, and I really don't have a lot of any complaints with this movie because they really like everything is set up. There's not really anything that's like, oh, okay, wait a minute, that contradicts this, or like they just introduced this out of yeah. nowhere. Like everything builds on itself. Yeah. It feels like a know. complete story yeah. you've got a beginning you've got a middle you've got to end you got your rising action climax falling everything you've got like mm-hmm. it's perfect i well, really like, like the structure like anything else too there you know um witchcraft and, and devil worship falls in and out of fashion too and during the 70s at some point there was a fascination with it again so she doesn't necessarily have to be from the 17th century she could be she could be from any of those time periods where that was popular sure yeah we don't know, you know? yeah we don't know we just there's a lot of questions there yeah so okay so jason your team prequel are yeah. you see sequel or prequel if you had to pick I, one uh, you're like gotta defend I sides want, i really want both because Definitive i want there debate. to be like i want like that like sequel with but i just want to know the origin story like i i what if they called the prequel the origin of jane doe and the sequel like the demise of jane doe or something <laughs> Well, because at one point she's not Jane Doe. Like someone knows who she True. is. Somebody knows who yeah, she is. Somebody yeah, somebody knows who she is. Like I want, I want there to be like a, I want there to be like that true crime one where some like internet sleuth is trying to like figure out who she is, but maybe isn't trying to like autopsy her so that the Jane's not trying to kill her. I don't know. I, so, yeah, I think I'd rather have a sequel. Maybe sequel. Where we, maybe where we learn about her past. Right. We learn about her origins by someone 
doing the right thing, maybe? I don't know. Not the, I mean, autopsy's I mean, the right thing. Well, I guess what they did. Yeah, Nobody true, did anything wrong to her. Yeah, she, it's, it was, just, it's yeah. very, like, they didn't wrong know. place, wrong time, but, incidental <laughs> horror, which yeah. I, I kind of like. I like the bleakness in that. I'm like, yeah, bad, yeah. fucked up shit well, happens also, all the time. Also so. makes you question whether, like, if she doesn't know what an autopsy is, it would make sense for somebody from the 17th century to not know that. Right. That's true. That to, her, she, to her, right. she's just like, these people are cutting me open. And taking out my organs. Yeah. And, like, do, yeah, so it's like, you know. And you know, they look in her vagina at one point because they after they think of the the, yeah, the human the trafficking and they do find the cuts inside That's her right. vagina. So somebody you know sexually assaulted her. So they you know she's being violated in every level, in every possible. which way, and it like, has all the scars to prove it. Yeah. So like this poor girl has had no choice in her anything. <laughs> yeah, and there's and there's there's a lot of like reading into it you can do. I mean, it kind of parallels like depression and anxiety where on the surface it looks like everything's okay but as you just kind of like strip away the layers and just keep digging deeper you find maybe everything isn't exactly what it seems totally yeah it's a it's a real structured mystery on top of everything else that's going on in the movie too it's right it's the more you think about it the more you're intrigued i think this is one that everyone should check out at yeah. least once just oh, sure. just see it it's just cool. check it out see what they've got it gets to your offer. brain going it makes you think about things like yeah it's, 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 it's a good neat. popcorn flick too like just sit there and watch it eat some popcorn yeah. and, um that we did yeah that we did we did uh we had some really good kettle corn um I, I in this in the debate, I I think there's advantages to both a prequel and a sequel. Prequel, I think in my ideal fantasy world, if they if they handed me the rights to this IP and said make a prequel, I would do it as a surprise, like where in the very it's it's a haunted house thing, or maybe I, it presents it as like people going crazy, like you don't know, like it's it's presented as a home invasion or something, even like just something like that, and then in the in the end they uncover the body. And it's like a surprise prequel. I think that would be really cool. It'd be a gag. I don't know if it's like big enough as a franchise to do something like that. No, but that would be not. really fucking cool yeah. if they did something like that. The, as other, for a sequel, the other note about the box office too is it was it was only released internationally. It was never actually released here in the States. Yeah, I thought it had a yeah. really weird yeah. release. So maybe that has something to do with it. So maybe we've got notoriety. I don't know. Like things have resurgences all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's how some of these franchises have stayed relevant for 40 years. They just keep getting newfound love and fans so who knows maybe in 10 years people are going to dig this movie up and be like this is some baller ass shit why yeah. does this not have a sequel or a prequel with a sequel i would want to see more of her origin story because yeah. if i do a surprise prequel it's obviously not going to reveal that so i i think there is a way to backtrack but also propel the story mm-hmm. forward in that and it makes sense too because maybe the only way to stop it is to learn the truth yeah so put it to rest put like it, right put it to rest. learn who she is give her her name back like know who she is give her a proper burial whatever. and, and if they right. do that in yeah. a sequel and prequel, that, that there's your trilogy right there perfect cap boom put some clothes on her they've introduced supernatural things so they could i mean they could go really off the rails with it and introduce some crazy yeah. shit it's possible but they could also keep it in line tonally and and um with its genre i suppose and make make something cool make make a really nice uh three story arc out of this middle chapter that exists because it, it gave us a very clear beginning and very clear end yeah. we, we clearly saw a middle segment of this mm-hmm. this universe there so. was a blueprint there that like unfortunately at this point in time i guess we can say we'll probably never ever get a sequel made 
And I never say never ever. There's, yeah, you never know. It's just 40, 40 it years could be sequels. Anything, yeah. It could be anything. It could be anything. Yeah. They could do anything with you it. You never know who has a secret, who's a secret stand. Well, uh, speaking of secret stands, actually, uh, Stephen King, of all people, saw this movie and gives it like insane praise. He was like, I don't remember the exact quote, but he was like, this is like as good as Alien. Like, go see it. It's but don't watch it alone. See, and, uh, Stephen King like, went like, nuts story for structure, It's totally a Stephen King style story. Oh, yeah, too. he loves it. Yeah. So, I yeah. mean, if you got the Stephen King seal of approval, I mean, have your opinions on him if you want. But, I mean, still, you can't not acknowledge his impact to the horror no, he's filmmaking world. What he does, so, yeah. yeah, so, I mean, for him to kind of be like, yeah, this is one of the greatest movies I've ever seen since Alien. I mean, that's a pretty big seal and stamp of yeah, approval right it's, there it's beautiful in its simplicity too it's yeah just, this it's is not some movie movie really schlock a, a labor of love you can tell from start to finish uh-huh. dare i say this is elevated horror yeah <laughs> i can see that yeah is this 2016 elevated horror it's not it's not true horror it's disturbing enough to be considered horror but at the same time it's a thriller and a crime yeah procedural it, it drama doesn't rely it's a any... horrifying situation it's horror and this is horrifying yeah. well it doesn't rely on any of those old crutches like there's no real jump scares there's not like it like obscene gratuitous gore mm-hmm. like it's everything is on purpose and like yes very it's yeah, tasteful it, it does have tasteful the, death. the horror tropes though that you know you, you notice you notice things early on in the movie that come back mm-hmm. which is not nice. i love a first full circle yeah. moment it shows me that care details and, and attention was put into this story so i i I, I like this movie, and I think it was a great choice for opening of season four, The Forces of Nature, because we, we've got a fun, wild, wacky, rowdy, and crazy season lined up. So right. This is when the clip show plays, right? Right. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah imagine. We just, I, I, if this podcast ever gets to a point where I'm just like reacting to old episodes, I've gone too far, and you just <laughs> delete it all. We had to burn the whole system down. But um, thank you guys for joining me about the autopsy of Jane Doe. I think we, we kind of covered it here. I, don't, I can't we think did. of anything else. Pretty, that was pretty thorough. It was pretty thorough. This is a this is a little bit of a shorter episode comparatively, but I mean, this is no scream. This is not a monolith franchise. This is a pretty cut and dry, isolated incident movie with a lot of potential to go yeah. expand in the future. Simplistic. That would be beautifully right. simplistic, like a good yogurt. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me. Thank uh, you. Do, you, do either of you have anything you want to plug, promote, social media projects of any kind? Feel free. Oh, I always boy, like oh, to boy. give the air. Yeah, well, where to begin? Tell, um, us, tell us all about it. Normally, this is your time. Normally on Friday nights, I do a live stream on Twitch called In On Night Live. Uh, it is stars a human and all of his puppet cohorts. I it, First of all, everybody the puppets. Right? Second of all, I've watched it. I found it very entertaining. And, oh, it's and chaos. It's, uh, it's one of those shows, too, that's like very, like you, you're very interactive with the chat and the fans. So you you get to, it's a lot, it's just a lot of people having fun, you know, if you have nothing. Yeah, if you I, have, I, um, I honestly try to make it a, a certain level of like Muppety style chaos. Um, and, and, you know, it's fun, but we are currently working on a movie right now. And um, if I come back on the show, I'll talk more about that at that point. Period. Okay. Well, stay tuned for more info, because like, I definitely want to have you back on to talk about more movies this season. Awesome. Always an open invitation. Once you've been on once, you're part of the part of the debate of the dead family. You open invitation forever. Done come and back. done. I'll it's a lifetime stone. subscription. You have no choice. Yeah. Blood packed. In fact, I actually make all my guests cut their wrist open oh, or no. the palm of their oh. hand open, and we do a blood pact right, before well, we, we start. We'll have to get the tarp. <laughs> the tarp. <laughs> How much are we planning on bleeding? <laughs> 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 Nightmare on Elm Street gore. Um, no, you got they, no platelets. Well, 
Yes. Well, thank you. Thank you guys so much for coming on. It was a pleasure and I can't wait for the next one. If you want to find me uh, on social media, well, first of all, if you want to follow the podcast, follow at DOTD underscore podcast on Twitter. I'm always posting announcements, um, updates, what the episode is going to be, all that good stuff and giveaways. If you want free shit, who doesn't like free shit? I've given away a bunch of scream cups. I've got some merchandise to give away. Like I'm, I've got a copy of some video games I want to give away for the Patreons and gamer, um, gamer fans of the pod. And speaking of the Patreon, definitely check me out there at DOTD pod or at Queen Cream. Type it in on the search bar. I'm going to pop up. It helps me out a ton. I'm putting out bonus content and it helps me keep the show going in my crazy, chaotic, very busy life. So check me out on Patreon. And if you want to follow me and support my drag, check me out on Twitter and Instagram at Queen underscore Cream. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. And I am very excited for a plentiful season moving forward. But for now, this has been Debate of the Dead. And we'll see you next time.